And I'm Sean. And this week we are talking about some really just based on our experiences, tips we have um, in terms of finding jobs. So first of all, uh, as a disclaimer, we are not career experts. We are not career coaches. Um, We are just two people who have applied for a lot of jobs um, and actually gotten quite (laughs) a lot of jobs between the two of us in our um, still fairly early careers. And we have both I think not only helped each other, I mean, we've talked about that on the podcast before where we have like helped each other find and apply for jobs as we've been looking um, over the last, uh, I guess, three years now as we are approaching. Yeah. Oh my God. So we're recording on March 12th. We're like three years out exactly almost, right? Or has- From the start of work from home for COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, ooh, that feels weird. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a great point I didn't even think about. You know, it's funny uh, that you mentioned that. So, yes, as Tiffany said, we're recording this on, on March 12th, but the news was on at the gym this morning, and it was, they were doing, like, a throwback thing because it said something like coronavirus pandemic on the, the news, and I was like, what are they reporting on now? I thought there was, like, a new strain. But it was a look back. So it might be, like, to the day where this became. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. March 10th sticks out in my head, but I don't know if that's. Was for sure mid-March because I remember they're like, everybody's going home for two weeks. We'll see at the beginning of April or whatever, which we never saw like any of those people ever again in person. But we did. Anyways. Oh, man. Okay. Sorry. That just like completely distracted me because I didn't realize it was like to the day almost. That's so eerie. Creepy. Yeah. Isn't it? Okay. So. Over the last three years, we've sent each other a lot of jobs and helped each other uh, prepare for jobs and everything, which we'll talk about later in some of our tips. But we have also been a source of advice for like friends and like former colleagues and things that we know that have been looking Mm -hmm. for work. I know that we have uh, someone that worked in our office when we worked together that has been trying really hard for a couple of years now to find a right fit. And every time we see something that we think might work, we, you know, you send it to me, I send it to him, or if I find things organically, I pass them on. So we, we have uh, some experience offering advice, but again, not in any like professional or accredited capacity. So all of that is to say, uh, take advice with a grain of salt and just with that disclaimer in mind. (laughs) Yeah, we we felt it was really important to to start um, the episode with that because I don't think anything that we're going to say today will make or break your career job search. But yeah, yeah don't don't like cite us as your. <laughs> Hopefully, as though, your, you uh, find something helpful. I think that probably a lot of this stuff will sound really familiar, and we'll share our experience about like how it's worked for us. Because obviously, we're we're only recommending mm-hmm. things that have yielded positive outcomes. <laughs> to set the stage, we'll kind of recap what the current job market looks like. So as we've been discussing, and by the time this episode airs, we can't imagine it's going to be, have changed very much, but keep an eye on our social media because we're tracking it there. But we've discussed this before, crazy low unemployment rate. Actually, the jobs report was just released the other day um, on Friday, I think 313,000 jobs. So better than people expected. But inflation is still not great and interest rates are really, really high. A recession seems pretty much inevitable at this point, if if not... uh, Maybe a baby recession, but probably not like a 2008, 2020 situation again. Yeah. Um, but it'll probably not be great. Jerome Powell, the the chair of the Fed, was just testifying to Congress this past week or so. So to give you any insight there, go go back to that historic footage because that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that uh, was. To watch. <laughs> Super <laughs> that not was depressing. kind of wild. So by the time this airs, it'll be like, 
a month or more old but yeah. it's definitely if you if you didn't see it when it occurred go go look on youtube or something for it because it's worth a watch a rare moment of bipartisan unity where people were just like shitting on him more or less <laughs> <laughs> and like he deserved it kind of yeah for sure further to that point service hospitality sector is still desperate hire i mean if you ever go to like fast food or a restaurant or any type of business like that there's always hiring signs a lot of layoffs are still happening, especially in the tech sector. I but think healthcare it seems like, and uh, teaching are also still like uh, for like a desperate, an art, yeah. a large encompassing term. Like there are staff shortages in those arenas as well. Yeah, that's that's right. And other industries, seemingly based on what we've seen, are holding on to staff, so they're not going full force with the layoffs because. They seem to be worried about having a 2020 going into 2021 session situation where they laid off a ton of people and then business picked up again and then they were having trouble hiring people back. Yeah. So again, really weird kind of economic conditions we're living in. So just to put that in context for those of you who are actively searching for a job or thinking about searching for a job in the relatively near future. Yeah. So we've got a couple different like phases of applying for jobs that we've broken these tips down into and our first one is going to be searching for jobs because that's where you have to start was it last week uh we talked about rage applying <laughs> so yes <we'll, laughs> right we're sure so one we've already talked uh about that as kind of a strategy uh sean and i have both definitely done that at for multiple sure. times uh in the past yeah. and at one point more frequently than i would care to admit <laughs> yes <laughs> definitely more frequently than we would like. And while we were working together and searching for new work, uh, we rage applied for like months straight, nonstop. Months. But um, <laughs> we did finally get out and we learned a lot. Yeah, I think um, so. A lot of these search tips I wasn't super familiar with until the last few years, if I'm being you know completely honest. Oh, yeah, me too. So we've learned a lot recently. Not This isn't just stuff that we like strolled out of high school or college knowing. Um, it was, and a lot of it was sadly self-taught or learned through social media, <laughs> um, as was this tip. So for LinkedIn, many people might be aware of this, but you can search pretty much anything on LinkedIn. Um, so I've had success finding jobs to apply to, not necessarily that I've taken, searching we're hiring or like typing in we're hiring in the search bar and filtering it to posts from the last week or 24 hours. Um, you can search by hashtag. Uh, you can search specific job titles, and it's pretty remarkable what you can find out. And the general rule of thumb is, you know, the, the job will be posted along with that post. It'll have the position description so you can apply, or you can reach out to the, the poster directly and say, I'm interested, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's a pretty effective way to search for, for jobs because at least you know that, one, their searches will be relevant, and two, they're timely because everybody knows sometimes you stumble across jobs that seem great, but they've been posted for like two months kind yeah. of thing. And similarly, um, for those of you familiar with Google Boolean search, you can do the same thing on LinkedIn. That's that's the thing where you take words and you write and, plus, or that, that sort of thing. I'm oh, not great yeah. at Boolean searches, but it B-O-O-L-E-A-N, if anyone wants to Google it, learn what it is. It's very simple, but you can Google stuff do it on LinkedIn and it finds, you know, pretty, very, very specific search results. Um, that, so that way you're not wading through as much maybe noise as you would with just a standard search or Google search. Yeah. And that's really useful, especially as you are 
when I first start looking for a job, I typically am like, even if I'm not full of rage, I am doing the like rage apply technique where I'm just like, I'm trying to collect everything that's relevant that's been posted and is still active and like blast out applications. And then moving forward, I might look like once a week and then look only at relevant posts within the last seven days or whatever. So that's really helpful as you're trying to like narrow down what might be an actually good fit and avoid um, having to wade through or actively apply for things that like aren't quite what you're looking for versus something you'd really appreciate doing. Yeah, that's a great point, actually, because if you're not looking for another job, but are the kind of person like I am where you like to be advised of what opportunities might be out there, um, you can set like passive alerts on LinkedIn, Google alerts, that sort of stuff. And it's sent directly to your inbox. Um, so once in a while I come across something, I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then I'll look at it and decide if it's of interest or not. But, um, you know, if you're not, I mean, I think that's pretty good practice to do anyways, even if, cause you never know what's going to happen tomorrow with your job, even yeah. if it feels super stable and you like it. Um, we're great examples of that. Yep. <laughs> but, um, so even if you're not looking, you can do it very passively, which is pretty cool. And it just helps you uh, see kind of like what's going on in your industry if you know what the hiring trends and things are. And, you know, hopefully those posts come with salaries and you can make sure that your yeah uh, wages are still like in line with what's competitive. And if they're not, mm-hmm. have a conversation with a, a supervisor or HR or something about that. So it's good to just know what's happening, mm-hmm. even if you're not looking to leave. Um, besides, I'm pleased to tell you, by the way. As a side note, yeah. when I do get those notifications, I would say probably, at least in the last couple months, about half of them have had the salary range posted. Nice. So I've been pleasantly surprised. I know some some new laws, particularly in New York and yeah. Colorado, have taken effect. So it might just be a catch-all kind of thing. A lot of strange language around that, though, which we can talk about another time. But it could be, you know... This the salary is based in uh, geography, skill set, blah blah blah. But at the minimum, there's a range there. There's a salary range, which is really all that we can ask for at this point. That's nice. That's a that's good to hear. I was pleasantly surprising to see that. Yeah. So besides LinkedIn, we have also used uh, a number of other sites. I I used Indeed for a really long time, but even even with Boolean search, I found it to be like it's not great, not helpful. Yeah, I was. I was basically only ever getting um, hits for like truck driving. Like, I don't know why, but that they're just like, <laughs> I mean, this is like, you know, 10 years ago now, but <laughs> there were just yeah, like yeah. loads it hasn't of gotten much better. truck driving <laughs> right, yeah. positions available. Um, and that's not really what I was looking to do, but it is out there. And perhaps depending on like your industry, it might be a little bit better. I can say it's not great for higher ed. Um in my experience. No, it's terrible. But yeah, it's 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 an option. I really like Idealist. Uh, they do mm-hmm. like nonprofits. And so especially if you are trying to either work in a nonprofit or just like explore something new, um, they they have a really good curated list of organizations that they'll let post jobs on there. And I have found that they're uh, like when you can set up an alert for what you're looking for, it's very mm-hmm. accurate. So even if I was like casting a wide net and didn't like limit as much as I would in an ideal scenario, it really did a good job of matching the criteria that I set up. Yeah. It also, um, 
isn't too bad. I, I found that a good number of those postings also include compensation information, which is nice. Yeah. Um, not all of them do, but I would say more often than not in my experience. And then industry-specific sites or forums are a really good opportunity if you're already like in your kind of career field or if you're looking to get into a new one, but you know a site or forum that is relevant to what you want to get into. Um, it can just kind of help you be more specific. You need a little bit less of that Boolean search uh, skill because right. yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. already narrowed down to a particular industry. So for us, we look at um, higher ed sites or like international ed sites because that's that's our niche. If I saw an organization that I really liked or that I thought would be good to work for or doing uh, you know, good work that I wanted to be a part of, um, I would go directly to their website and I would even maybe like bookmark some of those. And then when I do my regular like weekly check for job postings, I go straight to their website to see what they have listed um, just in case something might not come up in like my uh, flagged search results. Yeah, I've also seen this sort of similar search process, I assume you can call it, when people are looking at like really specific companies that are notoriously kind of difficult to get in. Like, yeah. Apple or Microsoft, Google, yeah. you know, the, yeah, these types of these ones. Um, so sometimes you will search for somebody with that specific job title at that company. And, you know, if they're agreeable, they might let you ask some questions or similar, or you can just ask for advice or insight as to how they got their role in general. I haven't done that exactly, but I have messaged like recruiters and hiring people at specific organizations where I'm like, hey, I'm interested, blah, blah, blah. doesn't usually go anywhere. They usually respond, but especially if they're a recruiter or an HR, they they kind of have to, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I, haven't, I haven't gotten a job that way, but it could be a useful tool in your tool belt if you're you know, really after something very, very specific at a specific company or very, very specific type of role, probably a good idea to, to, to talk to people in that position and how they've, how they've gotten there. Another sort of way that you can go about getting information would be to ask friends or colleagues, especially if they're in your field, um, people that you trust to like share good info with you, like Sean and I do with each other, um, or to put in a good word for you if they hear of an opportunity somewhere else that they think might be a good fit. Um, but you can also ask them if they're doing what you want to do or something related to what you want to do. You can also ask them directly how they got into it and um, what they'd recommend you look for or your what your experience should be more like if, you know, to increase your odds or things like that. I have a friend that does this with um, his alumni network he he went to an ivy oh, league so yeah. he has like a hyperactive <laughs> alumni network yeah. it's a remarkably good way to find a job as well you use your college campuses if you went to college their uh, career services office most times if not always they're available to alumni yeah most of the time i think yeah i think i think pretty now much always, pretty much think, always yeah. they are yeah. available to alumni um it benefits them if their alumni do well and do good things so like exactly yeah there's like it's kind of a no-brainer if you feel weird about it which is something that like i would feel weird about doing um just know that like everyone benefits if you get a good job so <laughs> right right <laughs> um but yeah he he does that all the time he'll see someone at an organization that's an alum of his same alma mater and he'll just reach out and sometimes he just does it to be like, Hey, 
you know, if you ever need anything, I work in nonprofit. So, you know, let yeah. me know. And sometimes he'll do it to be like, hey, I'm interested in what it is that you're doing. What's that like? Um, it is a great idea, especially if you can reciprocate in some way. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're searching a job, you might not have a lot to offer, but just uh, see what you can do for that person or if, if anything at that time or, you know, be a connection for them in the future. And anytime you're reaching out to people, whether it's alumni that you maybe don't know very well or um, even someone in your field that you know fairly well, just don't be gross about it. Don't be too like, you owe this to me. I've definitely been approached in that capacity before and it's very uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it is. But if you're just like genuinely like, I would just like to learn more uh, about you and what you do and everything, like people are typically so happy to like share that information. Um, so it's don't don't be afraid to reach out, but don't be gross. For sure. <laughs> Which is a good segue into applying for jobs because this can be a pretty gross experience, yeah. especially, you know, given the amount of rage applying we've done. I guess the the first thing that we discussed when we were planning this episode, and it's something that we hate a lot because it's a giant pain, but you really need to customize your resume and cover letter to a specific role. I've not done that before. And obviously, you just pretty much never hear back because, you know, your resume isn't specific to that role. The best way you can use is mirroring language in the job posting to your resume and cover letter. What relevant skills or things or characteristics can you highlight from past roles that match what the job is? This is pretty much no-brainer advice, I would say. But it is it is kind of a pain because... Applying for a job can really be close to a full-time job. <laughs> it feels like it anyways. Definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, you have to do it. It's the only way to make your resume and cover letter stick out in a meaningful way. So the person that's reviewing it understands that you have specific, at least on paper, specific skill sets and characteristics that are a match for what they're looking for in this position. I kind of do personally, um, in terms of like a... Uh a specific resume, I have sort of like broad categories because I have a lot of transferable skills that I try to lean on. Um, customer service for my entire working life, as we've talked about, is pretty useful in any scenario if you have the right spin. Um, but I have like when I was applying for a bunch of different things many years ago, I had like a resume for when I applied directly to a university. I had a resume for when I applied to nonprofits. So I, I didn't tweak it for each individual job that I applied for, but I had like broad categories of more specific right. resume. So you can also make it a little bit easier on yourself if that's something that makes sense for yes. your skill set, what you, your experience is and what you're trying to um, get out of a job. Um, but I am hyper specific on the cover letters. Like I have a generic kind of opening yes, and closing yeah. about like me and the, the role. Um same. <laughs> but I talk very specifically mirroring the language from the job description about what it is that they want to hear. And I typically try to do it in the order that they list what they're looking for so that if they are like looking at a checklist, which I have literally done before, uh, sitting on like job search committees, um, we're like, oh, do they say that they are organized? Check. Do they say that they are um, good with people? Check. So mm -hmm. I'll try to hit like the top three skills that they're looking for or whatever in the order in which they're listed. 
it's a good practice because when we work together and I would sit on some hiring committees, when you go to hire somebody or make a decision, you have to send it to HR with a justification for why yes. you're like, and there's very specific questions like, how does this person compared to the other candidates meet XYZ criteria that you've laid out? Yep. And that's generally true. I found at most HR people operation type type situations. Um, I also keep a base template of my resume that has everything and yes. then I just start I just start removing stuff I that's not same. relevant it's way easier I found than adding to stuff yeah um, and then that way I have so it's like three pages obviously but obviously I'm not submitting a three-page resume no, um, no 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 never that but uh it has like everything professionally that I've ever done and then I just start cutting stuff out and tailoring it yep. for that specific role or rewording things uh, but yes my uh, and Cover letter, same. I use the same template. It's a pretty basic same. template. I just got offline and then just change it based on the job. The other thing that I've heard, and I don't know if this is really true because I'm not obviously in HR or recruiting, but I've always heard that people um, recommend you keep your resume template to be pretty straightforward, like a black and white one largely. Yes. Like don't make your resume on Canva and stuff like that. Um, and the primary reason is because a lot of applicant tracking systems can't process those from what I understand, oh. or they have difficulty parsing out stuff. So if you are applying to a company that likely has a pretty robust HR department and has an applicant tracking system that pre-screens it before a human being ever sees it, um, you may be fully qualified for the role, but your resume formatting may impact your ability to get through the applicant tracking system. I don't know if they're all that sophisticated, but it's just something I've heard. So, you know, sometimes people put images and that sort yeah. of stuff on their resume. Probably only relevant if you are applying to like a, a creative job or maybe a marketing job and you need to like link your portfolio or something like that. But yeah. That's a really good tip. I've never thought about that. I've always done one that's really plain looking, but very clear as to like what's listed. Yeah, like there are separate sections. But I remember sitting on job search committees where some of the resumes were just like all over the place. Like they looked really nice if they were like on yeah. a poster at a career fair or something, but it like to, to actively be looking at like dozens or hundreds of resumes, you don't want to stand out in the way that it's like hard to see what you've done right. and who this person is. Like that's, that's not yeah. what you need. It's like your header. I've seen ones where your header with like the image and their contact information is like a quarter of the page. Yeah. And it's way too large. I make that I've as also come across. <laughs> yeah. Mine's very like, it's literally a header section the way my resume Same. is formatted. I've also come across and I'm guilty of this as well. If I'm being honest, when it comes to rage applying, um, like spelling errors or grammatical errors, <sighs> Oh, uh, no. And there's something so embarrassing about that, even if it doesn't matter. And I've, I've, you know, gotten interviews at places where I've submitted a cover letter with a spelling error or something. So I think most people have a little bit of grace, but it's still embarrassing, you know. So I would, I'm, I like go over with a fine tooth comb these days, you yeah. know, if I ever apply to something. But check Same. your spelling and grammar. <laughs> I also put mine. I don't know if this is standard for everyone, but I always put my stuff in. I work in like Google Docs and then I save it as a PDF and submit it as a PDF. I just mm. think it looks cleaner and tidier. And on the receiving end of that, looking at a PDF is much easier and looks like for sure, in my opinion, more professional. So that's a small thing I think that you can do. That's really easy. Yeah, anytime I would get a Word document resume, I'd always be upset. I do the same with the cover letter. I save 
with the PDF. Anytime yep. I've ever had to upload any sort of document, once in a while, this is pretty rare, but I think I've had a couple applications where I needed to upload like transcripts. Oh um, yeah, I've had those too. And yeah, one I had to do to like prove I had my master's. I was like, do you want to copy my diploma? They're like, your transcripts are fine. I'm like, all right. Um, <laughs> but all of that stuff, definitely PDF it for sure. Yeah, it's an easy thing and it just makes you look put together, organized, very professional. And it's it's very simple to do. So definitely, definitely make that a, a priority. Oh, you can also message the recruiter if you know who it is or if you found the uh, job on LinkedIn or anything like that with a, just a quick note saying that you applied and that you're interested in the role. It's, again, something really small, but it'll help you stick out in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to do, and definitely not everyone does it. Yeah, I've had mixed results with it. I think I do it uh, still because a lot of times people respond and be like, oh, thanks. Well, we'll keep you posted, you know, and what are, you, what are they going to do? Respond be like, you're hired, you know, but sometimes they don't respond, which kind of is, eh, but I think it's a good practice. So when possible, um, because you, you can't always message the recruiter or it doesn't list explicitly who it is, um, you know, it's, it's a good practice, I would say. Yeah, there's, as long as you're like, quick and polite and everything about it there's really no downside um and there could be upside so it's it's certainly worth trying to do if you can my same friend that um is very active in his alumni network also Mm -hmm. does this always as a a practice and he's also gotten a lot of really good jobs so i i take his uh practices very seriously yep (laughs) yep One thing to keep in mind, and I don't love it when you have to put down references, especially as part of the job application. I'm okay if you get interviewed and they want references at a later time. That's less of an issue to me. But um, it, it can be kind of annoying just as, a, as, as a, a rule of thumb. But if you are actively searching, it's, it's a good idea to have a list of references sort of ready to rock um, and maybe mention to those people, um, you know, that you are looking and they may be contacted. You'll give them a heads up if, you know, they're going to be contacted because not all the time they do. But um, I've also seen where they ask for professional and personal references. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, that's significantly, you know, less common, I would say. But once one time it was like list two professional and one personal reference, which I thought was a bit strange. Um, so maybe have a personal reference in your back pocket. But otherwise, typically three professional references is, you know sufficient when i first started working i um really prioritized like a reference that i had known for a really long time and then a reference yeah. that was like more current do you do the yes. same thing yeah i also try and include at least one supervisor or yeah. manager type person um which yeah not not an issue these days um but yeah, absolutely. And then I would, so like, obviously you're one of my professional references <laughs> and I'm assuming likewise. Honored. Yes, absolutely. And then I put someone in management and then I try and put someone who's more current. So somebody I've worked with in the last, within the last like six to 12 months um, yeah. as, as the third person. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I used to prioritize like people that I had known a really long time, like when I first started and that was it because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I haven't really had a lot of jobs. Um, but I think right. also as you work longer, you can, I, I also for some reason thought that references had to be someone you reported to. So when I first oh. started working professionally, I was like, well, I I have only reported to so many people because I have not had a right. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
Um, but as you get, you know, deeper into your uh, career and everything like that, you have more people that can serve as a as a reference, and they don't have to For be sure. people you've reported to. But I agree, I try to include right. at least one some someone that I've reported to, and definitely, yeah, like it's polite to ask people as opposed to being like, "Hey, I'm using you as a reference," unless you like have Very that true. relationship, like w- like we do, and if you texted me that i would be like yeah obviously of course sure yeah and right, like right. <laughs> i have that relationship with some other people both as someone serving as the reference and as asking for someone to be my right reference. right but if you're not on that level or it's like someone you used to work for you're not like personally super close definitely phrase it as an ask um it gives them the opportunity to decline if for whatever reason they'd want to decline but quite frankly if they're not interested in or comfortable doing it for whatever reason you don't want them being your reference so it's best definitely to not. know that if they're, if they're wishy-washy or on the fence wouldn't recommend it and i have had people uh use me that like i knew they were using me as a reference you know like a year or two ago and i was mm. like contacted once or twice and then like nothing right. for a long time and then out of nowhere it's just like appeared like hey you're a reference for so-and-so and i'm like am i how did that and like and it, nobody told it's me a little again. weird yeah it's yeah. odd so don't don't put people in that position definitely not because my sense is that the recruiter or the hr person doing the reference checks can definitely tell when somebody's caught off guard by being called and so it seems You're a little right, weird yeah. to them i don't know it's a, it's a little strange so definitely definitely ask in general is my I, anytime i've ever asked nobody's ever told me no no so after years of like working abroad and doing like short-term things i I was looking finally for like professional work in the U.S. Um, and I, I leaned a lot on references I had from college because I was like, if I just throw down like a reference from China and Denmark and Spain, I feel like on the one hand, that's like kind of cool. But also like, does it look yeah. like I'm trying to escape anyone actually being contacted? I just felt kind of weird about it. I thought that before it. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I like, that's how I spent like my last three years at that point. So I was like, I need someone that they can contact and so i would ask uh, a woman i i worked with in a particular capacity in like a student org um for for many years in college and it just took me a long time to find a job um she was kind enough to continue serving as a reference but she did at one point say like it's been a really long time since we've worked together like i'm not sure i would be the best reference for you right and i explained to her like i know it's just that i've been doing like these other things for years and i am using those as references too but like i want someone in the u.s and she understood and she was cool about it and i think that's when i started working uh, like in this field finally i got like a a job and kind of started my career so that's the only time that i've ever been close to like a no (laughs) from someone i guess it could look weird if the reference isn't particularly relevant or you've worked with them like for a year 10 years ago then it'd be like are they really the best person to to be a reference for you yeah that was my that was my biggest like relevant reference struggle was that time frame of my life because it just was like everyone I had was out of the country and I didn't know how that might look to someone understandable I mean the good thing about like you and I being references for one another is even though we don't work together anymore and haven't for nearly two years at this point Jeez. um time flies we still work in the same industry yes. so it's relevant so if like i list you for something or vice versa um it's not going to seem particularly strange even though we haven't worked together you know very closely recently right and we can both speak to like each other's abilities and capacities and everything and still be relevant even if it's been a while so definitely like have your references on hand 
if you if you have the green light to use them, which like I have several people that I've given the green light to use me, like anytime they're searching, right. I'm like, I would vouch for you no matter what. So like, if you need me, please use me. Right. Just let me know that like someone might actively call from Atlanta yes, or whatever. Like, because heads up, yeah. I'm not going to answer that call unless I have to. <laughs> So. I was traveling once when you put me down as a reference. I think you actually said I was your supervisor because you needed like a supervisor reference. Oh, and yeah. Like, and it was like I put you down? the chaos of our supervisor was out of the country and not yes, answering Yes, it was like a whole, a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> they called, I was at the airport when they called me. I think I was traveling right. for a conference last year. Um, that lady was super nice, but I was like, she's the best employee I've ever had. Like all this sort of stuff. Like, You're an angel. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. I think you got that job offer, but you ended up. Is that the one that, that I That was the declined? one you turned down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It worked out for the best, but. Totally. As a side note, Good if time. you are, I guess our last and final job search tip was if you are rage applying, nothing against it, um, no but make sure it. you, yeah, no kidding. Check the posting for any red flags. We've talked about this season one, episode 10. And season two, episode six, we were talking about things that companies love, uh, companies that are doing that we love. So those are two episodes to good check out, uh, to check out. Excuse me, but this could be things like weird job titles. I've seen some posts with "we're a family" in them, no salary disclosure. Although that one can be a little hit or miss. Or if they ask you to list your salary expectations, one of my least favorite questions. Red flag. Um, I've seen a couple weird ones that have really vague job descriptions where they're really like too brief. Like I like a a. A concise job description but if it doesn't really give any sense to what the job is or what the company is or what what you'll be doing then that i kind of look out for that yeah and lastly those corporatisms which is what season one episode 10 is about any of those horrible corporatisms that you find in there you know those those are our personal red flags anyways so just keep an eye out for those things don't let your rage completely blind you um to you to the red flags that are are walking around you Yes, definitely. And I think for each of these, there's an exception. Like I also like a a concise but informative job description, but I I do recognize that like sometimes it's just like not the right person being forced to like write that. <laughs> and so it's like, well, this has potential, like I'll give it a go. Um, so there are exceptions to each of these red flags, but these are definitely things that we yeah. look out for to be like, mm, maybe not so much. And then our third and final category of tips is for the interviewing process. <laughs> one of the Big things on that, one. that I do that is like, I always feel really goofy doing it, but it just like, it calms me down. It like makes me feel better is I practice my answers out loud. I have like a list mm-hmm. of questions that like maybe would be commonly asked or that I'm, or even just like, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like I want to have like a, not an overly practiced answer, but I want to make sure that for the, some standard things you say, yeah, some standard things I say about like my experience that will be relevant, but also just like with the cover letters and resumes, like a little bit of tailoring that makes sense for the role and or organization that I can kind of fold in. So I will run through that. <laughs> I tell my partner, like when I have a, an interview coming up, I'm like, I'm just going to walk around talking to myself a little bit to like practice, to like it, work yeah. this this out like please ignore me this is my process this is what I need to do so I will just kind of like when I'm in the shower or as I'm like cooking lunch or whatever I will just practice things out loud so that I can practice saying them but also hear them uh so that I'm like well that doesn't sound very coherent or like that sounds great or whatever you know yeah I mean since all of the interviews I've done since we worked together and probably you two have been remote they've all been 
over primarily Zoom or whatever, um, I actually started recording myself on my laptop. Like You are so smart. Uh, it's pretty humbling to hear your own <laughs> voice. And it, it, I mean, it's humbling in general every time I listen to our podcast. But, you know, to, to, to hear you stumble on yourself, stumble on words and watch your like weird mannerisms. Um, I'm a pretty harsh critic of, of myself in Same, particular. Yeah. But um, so that if you want to do that, that'll really because I wanted to know, like, what do I look like on camera to other people? Um, that sort of thing. That's so smart. Um, so that's that was a little bit tough to to stomach watching yourself do that. But I think it's really helpful because I, for example, I, when I'm trying to get my train of thought, I look around a lot. It, it's just, I do too. And it looks so sus. It looks bad on like a camera interview, um, but it's, and I'm doing it right I know I'm doing it right now. I know. I'm thinking through what I'm about to say. I, I look, <laughs> it's just something that I do. I look around, especially when I'm on camera, because if I'm staring, you know, directly at you, then I can't, process my thought right. you know yeah, like, totally. so anytime i'm speaking to somebody over camera i just lose my mind there so oh my god i'm the exact same way yeah so i it was basically a way to practice like looking at the camera saying the things that i normally say um and you know seeing what that looks like i mean within reason obviously i can't change my voice or the way i pronounce words or anything like that but right. you, know, but you like, can like try to keep those little mannerisms or things in check i constantly right. have to like i there's some like body language thing that's like if you look up into the left you're lying or if you look up into the right you're telling the truth or maybe it's vice versa oh, but I know there's something interesting like that I don't I don't know how much stock I put into that because I also will be like uh I'm thinking up over here and right right like I'm not searching for a lie I'm just trying to like gather my thoughts um but I try really hard not to do that because I think that it looks worse on the flat screen than it does in real life and yes, because I do it in real life as well, yes. like in person. And but, with people yeah, it that I know looks a lot worse. and am comfortable with and people that like I'm just having a casual conversation. Like that's just a that's just one of my mannerisms, but it doesn't yeah. look the best. <laughs> right. I, it doesn't. And I, I hate that, but it's the reality of things. So it's not a bad idea, especially because I feel like most people are doing probably Zoom or virtual interviews, at least initially. Maybe yeah, at least one will later. probably be on a screen, even if you're going to do a hybrid or in-person role, just because of the nature of things now. For sure. um, that's a really yeah. great tip. I have never done that. I have Just mentally prepare yourself. I have like <laughs> um, checked what my camera and like my space will look like to make sure that like yes. I yes. look good. When your background is up. Yeah. 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 And that like, the lighting will be okay. I'm very pale, so I can come off like a little sickly yeah. looking if the lighting's not <laughs> favorable. <laughs> and right. I just, you know, I have that ring light now though, so that helps. <laughs> that's something, yeah. yeah. No, that's a that's a very good point. I definitely check my background as well or blur it. My background now is fine, but or I'll put like a green screen background on occasionally, but yeah. I prefer to blur it rather than do that. I usually just do like the it, blur. It's a little funky. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I've works perfectly fine <laughs> at various times i've had to like close my cats or the dog out i don't usually close the dog out because he makes more of a fuss if he's like not allowed to be around me but sometimes the cats right get... sometimes the cats can be distracting anyway um <laughs> so similar to practicing my answers out loud i always have specific examples ready because at, at least in our line of work and every job that i've ever applied for um i'm not demonstrating like technical skills really i'm demonstrating like problem solving, critical thinking, stuff like that. So if you have a more like, I don't know, technical or 
I, I don't even know like what the industries would be, but if you have to demonstrate more technical skills, that's one thing. But for the kinds right. of interviews that like if I, you have to code something, yeah, yes, or like I assume in the medical field you have to like provide some like proof that you know what you're doing when it comes that's to like people's bodies. That's a great point. I have no idea like, how that works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have no idea how that works. Uh, but that's a great point, though. <laughs> in our field and in many others, I would assume where you're having like the interviews that we're familiar with. Um, I get specific examples ready for key scenarios that demonstrate like soft skills or transferable skills. So I'm constantly in interviews being asked, like, talk about a time when I handled an issue or a dispute with my supervisor or when I like had an idea that wasn't used. Lots of examples for that. Or uh, receiving negative feedback and how you handle it and things like that. If I like sat down and, and wrote them all out or if I were just having a conversation with you about these things, they would naturally come to mind. But I try to have right. a specific example that demonstrates these sorts of things at the ready that I have also practiced aloud as I just walk around and go through my day. I don't always know obviously what they're going to ask about but i know that they're going to bring up these kinds of things or like weaknesses or areas for growth that's kind of like i always spin it now. around anytime it is yeah because anytime somebody asks me the weakness question or a question has a negative connotation i always spin it into like a positive so yes i'll say like this is a continued area of growth for me you know that sort of thing it yeah. sounds stupid and it kind of is stupid but i think they just appreciate my sense anyways, is that people appreciate when you're not being negative in general. Yeah. Um, because it can be awkward to say like, I'm not good at this. You don't want to say that per se, but right. you want to say, you know, this is not only is this an area of growth for me, but here are steps that I've taken in the past to continue learning or whatever that sort of thing. Yes, exactly. And another sort of like plug for practicing answers out loud you want to make sure that you don't sound like you're dismissing the question or that you're like oh right. this negative thing doesn't apply to me here's a positive spin you want to toe that line where you are like addressing the question and the issue that they are getting at but that you also put yourself in a good light absolutely and related to this just ask a friend or a colleague i mean we've done this a ton of times to Wait. practice it with you or to give you feedback on what you think you're going to say We've done this especially with regard to presentations. Yes. Um, I think I said in a previous episode, I'm pretty sure I have my current job because you helped me with the presentation yeah. that you gave. And the one before that as well. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, the, my last two also, I ran you through my presentation maybe yeah, multiple it's times, super helpful. at least once, yeah. No, it's super helpful. I mean, it's particularly helpful for us because we were giving uh, presentations on stuff that had to do with our industry. So yeah, we could have asked like a friend or a family member or whatever, but it's a little bit easier when the person you're talking to already knows what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> like or has a sense of what you're talking about, so they can focus more on the substance of your answers and the way you're delivering it, not just one or the other. Yeah. But yeah, asking somebody, you know, in your network to, or just running by, you know, what you think, what you're thinking about saying is always super helpful. And making sure that your timing is accurate. Typically, if you're giving a presentation or whatever, like you're given a time frame to keep to, like 15 minutes or... 25 or goes whatever. by really fast amazingly when you're presenting <laughs> yes so if if that's you definitely practice it a couple of times even if only on your own just for the timing purposes but it's way better if you can get an audience to make sure that your delivery is sound um, and particularly if you are lucky enough to have someone in your industry that actually knows the content of what you're talking about as well yeah even better and yeah. can offer some 
uh, really relevant and specific feedback. Like that's that's the For dream. Sure. Related to that, <laughs> these next two points that we're going to make are very very important. Yes, and we'll tell you why here momentarily. So, you obviously want to tell the truth in a job interview. You want to be honest and transparent within reason. They don't need to know everything. Right. You obviously can't be making up like qualifications and things like that. Don't be a George Santos about it. Exactly. Great, great example. (laughs) But I mean, clearly, if you are applying to a very technical job and you BS your way through the interview and get hired and then you can't do Java or whatever, they're going to pick up on that pretty quickly. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. Lie and fake your way into it. But uh, so that's what we mean by like, be honest and transparent. You know, like this is the reality of what my qualifications and skills are. They wouldn't be interviewing you if they didn't think you could potentially do the job. So, you know, you don't have to completely freak out. I actually remember one time I asked somebody, I mean, it's the final round of an interview for a job I did not get, unfortunately. But I remember asking, like, is there anything like what and anything that would, you know, give you pause or whatever. And the, the woman's like, no, she's just she actually kind of like, it was really awkward. She was like, no, the fact that you made it to this round means that you could do the job. And I was like, oh. <laughs> So it was a bit, it was a bit awkward. That is a little I thought it was still, as a response. It was. I, I thought it was a valid question because totally I just did a presentation and an hour long interview. So if they picked up on anything, they're like, eh, never mind. That's right. was trying to suss out. But anyways, but similarly, you need to be prepared to slightly embellish scenarios. We're very careful with our wording here. Yes. We do not endorse just straight up line, as I've just said, but we do endorse making up perhaps some examples, as long as they're reasonable. Yes. For example, anytime you get the a time you've dot, dot, dot questions, particularly with the time you failed or a time you've had a in inter-office dispute, blah, blah, blah. Yes. I've had to make that up a lot because when we worked together, I mean, there were people I didn't like, but we didn't really get, just not get along, right. you know? There so like we didn't disputes. have any open conference. Yeah. So I just, I opened with, you know, fortunately I worked in a, with a team where everybody was on the same page. Anytime there was, um, you know, I would just make up a scenario and I would always keep it like pretty small, like a minor disagreement that, yeah. and then how we resolved it, you know, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Something that like reasonably could have happened, but maybe didn't necessarily. Yes. We talked about this in the episode, uh, we're all lying season two, episode three. Um, and I think that I brought this up then as well, but I've, I've done the thing where I like, I've maybe witnessed a, a dispute or a confrontation and then kind yep. of like put myself <laughs> yeah. in that. And that's not to say that like, you know, well, I'm flawless, so I've never experienced this. It's just that I'm very non-confrontational. So I like the way that I actually handle confrontation is I tuck my tail between my legs and I just do what I'm told. So that's not (laughs) like the best look. (laughs) And it also means that like I have avoided scenarios where there might have been confrontation that I could be talking about. Well, that's the purpose of the question. They want to know how you handle conflict and you don't want to say maybe that you're not confrontational explicitly, right. <laughs> but but you also don't want to say, I don't have an example of that because then they're not going to know how you respond to conflict. So even if you kind of make up a scenario or, you know, take a scenario, take inspiration from another scenario, which I've certainly done. I made up a scenario once where one of our coworkers who since retired, I said that she and I got into a dispute because I was asked to do something that was kind of by our supervisor that was in like kind of her wheelhouse Mm. and so she was like a little bit confused which was only like a quarter true um but i embellished that scenario to make it sound like we had a minor run-in or disagreement about the the circumstances and then again you know how we dealt with it and blah 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 but uh, so again don't be out here like 
Well, Sean and Tiffany said that I could lie about having a degree or whatever. Don't, oh, yeah. That's no, not what no, we're no, saying. No, not that. Not uh, that. But we are saying, like, yeah, you can maybe elaborate on things or take inspiration from things. Because at the end of the day, the, the person interview is not going to double check. They're, they're not going to be like, hey, can I have the phone over the colleague that you had a that you had a conflict with? So with. I can ask, yeah, so I can bring that back up for them. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's not the purpose of the question. The actual The actual scenario isn't the purpose of the question. They just want to know there's a deeper meaning there you know either yes. what how you handle conflict or the important you know, thing how, is to how you address respond to failure the real question exactly. and if like again in in my opinion and experience if you need to fabricate a little bit of a scenario to better demonstrate that because you've also like no doubt you've experienced conflict in personal relationships and the way that For you sure. handle a professional conflict might differ a little bit but like you personally have a sense of how you would deal with these things because you have experienced them in some capacity, but you also can't be like, well, I've never had a dispute at work, but actually my boyfriend and I don't get along about this one thing and he never does this or always right, does that right. or whatever. And so we just talk it out. Like you can't do that either. <laughs> Correct. Even when I've ever had a scenario where I've like had a disagreement with a coworker, I don't cuss them out in the same way that I might with like a friend. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that sort of thing. And I wouldn't tell a recruiter like, well, how do you handle conflict? Like, I just cuss people out, man. Like, I just uh, grumble that's in the not corner seethe yeah i just it's very healthy yeah yeah i mean i do but <laughs> you know they don't need to know that anyway so yeah that's what we mean by you be honest and transparent within reason but also be prepared to maybe tell a couple little white lies yeah just in order fiblet. to really answer correct great great word um in order to answer the true question that's as Tiffany mentioned like there's a real question that they're asking so another uh thing that i practice and have at the ready is mm -hmm. uh preparing something non-work related to share mm, um mm -hmm. something that shows who you are as a person i try to make those things somewhat relevant so one of the things that well i'll go back a little bit very often uh in my experience an interview committee at, at some point it's not like every interview usually it's like one of the later ones uh in mm -hmm. my experience where they'll be like tell us what you like to do apart from work and they're trying to assess oh, like yeah. what kind of person you are and how you might contribute to like the work environment and things like that and or how like I don't know maybe some of your hobbies or interests might play into the work that you do so I try where possible to make that like my answer one of the things that I typically share as an example is that I like to scrapbook because all of my hobbies are those of 80 year old women <laughs> but <laughs> It's like it's a place I can be creative. It's something that I do just for me, just for fun. It allows me to like be organized and like archive things like it checks a lot of boxes for me personally. And I've been doing mm -hmm. it since I was a kid and I don't have any like artistic or creative credentials or anything like that. Like I have no marketing experience or anything mm. but the work that we do now and the types of jobs that I had been trying to get for the last several years had some of that element to it, like creating oh right something. Something. And yeah. so that was that was something that I would share because it is something I do just for me, just for fun, but I've been doing it for a really long time. And it's a way for me to show that like I have a way to express creativity, even though you can't see that on my resume. So I try to balance that like something they're not going to get from anything we've talked about and if i can something that makes sense for the role that's a, a really good point and you know i i'd actually argue that um sometimes the things you do as a hobby or in your personal free time 
could count as experience towards the job you're trying to apply for in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, look at people who like self-taught themselves how to build websites and that sort of thing. They may not have any formal professional experience in it, but they're getting paid to do it now. Yeah. So, you know, those, those things can be super relevant. Obviously, like it's not a dating profile, so you don't want to be like, Long walks like to, on the beach. Yeah, or like <laughs> to travel unless you can, you know, really articulate how that's relevant. If you're applying to be like a travel agent, I could see that being the case. Or I've actually definitely referenced travel in our line of work. I was about to say, yeah, yeah absolutely have referenced travel because it, it's relevant, especially if it's relevant to the role. Like if the job needs you to travel four to six weeks out of the year, you enjoying that will be helpful. Yes. And it means you have experience they, in it, like traveling well yeah. and being good at it is actually a skill set, which I didn't realize for a really long time. But yeah, no kidding. It is. That's another really good one. And one that yeah. may or may not come up throughout the like application and interview process. So that would be a good one to bring up if it's if it's relevant. It also shows that like you can handle stress because traveling is stressful. Yeah, it certainly can, especially if you have to travel internationally or yeah. to places you've never been before. Definitely a factor. And there's often like paperwork involved and going through customs is no picnic and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, like no it demonstrates kidding. a lot of important skills. It really does. The other thing, too, that I've always heard um, and I've always done as a result is be prepared to ask questions. Yes. So I've sat on interview committees where I'm not like the hiring manager, but, you know, you're kind of one of the people that goes around and yeah. asks questions. And one thing that kind of grinds my gears personally is when people don't have any questions, especially if it's the first round. If it's like the second or third round, then they may obviously, most of their questions have probably been answered already. I still try and ask at least something. I've definitely had like phone interviews with people or first round interviews where they're just like, do you have any questions? They're like, nope. And you're like, really? You don't have any questions about About what you want to do for about, you'll be spending 40 of your working, waking hours here doing this job. You have no questions questions. about that. (laughs) Either you're going to be a really ideal sort of like <laughs> sheep employee maybe, or you're the kind of person who's like probably not that really, really that interested. In the role. It just comes across like you don't have a genuine interest in the role, which you may not. I've applied and interviewed for loads of jobs that I do not care about. Totally. Don't even necessarily want, but I need to pay bills. Right. Um, but they don't need to know that. <laughs> Obviously, you're there because you need money, but- you know, you they're trying to suss out like, are you gonna be a hindrance or are you gonna be a benefit to the, yeah. this team? Are you gonna role, contribute you know? or are you gonna be like like just a, a liability? Yeah. Or pay- yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you wrote down here, uh, you know, in our notes about preparing thoughtful questions to yes. to make sure that you're you know about the role and the the company. Yes. So I think that especially in like a first round, if if they don't offer it up. Asking like what to expect moving forward is a great question. That's always one of my questions. Always. I always. prepare four for the first round. That's always one of them. So that way I have three. Yes. Um, in case they already, they, they tell you that up front, which they usually do. But anyways. I feel like years ago, like no one was open about that. So it was like always one of my questions. It was always prepared as one of my questions, but I was for always sure. able to ask it. And now I feel like people are much more upfront. They are. I've actually seen it in position descriptions, too, where they'll yes. say this is our interview process. It's good to have that on deck, um, but just be for sure. prepared for it to not be what you are asked or what you are asking, mm-hmm. rather. And then thought the, the rest of the questions should be thoughtful. I think you can ask the what to expect question at any stage in the interview if they haven't mm-hmm. provided that information already. And then the rest of your questions should be really thoughtful and should kind of increase in depth and like level of interest with each 
level that you get through basically. So Yes, you can do a, I mean, I've pulled most of the questions that I ask from just doing a Google search of like best interview questions asked. Oh, yeah. And then I just pick the ones that are most relevant to the role or to the job. The one that I usually ask as well, though, which I asked, you know, and it didn't go super well, but it usually goes quite well, is the, like, is there any hesitation about my qualifications or anything like that? I always ask that one too. I get mixed responses, to be honest. It's a good question, but sometimes they're like, nope, everything looks good. Or, you know, they're like, we're still the, the one that I seem to get the most is, you know, we're conducting all of the interviews right now. So, you know, they kind of like play it off or they don't they don't really answer it directly. Yeah. Nobody's ever really been like, actually, yeah, this is the last time we'll ever speak to you. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great if they did, but that's just not the reality. I have had. So one, I usually get great feedback on that question. I will ask it at each round, depending on if like there are if it's the same people or not. Oh, different. Yeah. Yeah. And if I've had it uh, be where like one person is the same throughout. So I will ask it multiple times, but I'll say like, I've already gotten the answer to this question from so-and-so, but like, if you have anything else after this latest conversation, like, please join in. But I'd like to know if, you know, rest of the room has any hesitations or whatever. So I think you can ask that one multiple times as well. And pe- I've gotten really great feedback on it. Like people have been like, wow, no one's ever asked that. Um no, have, not that's really. happened a couple of times to me. Yeah. Or um, I had one one time where someone was like, actually, I would normally question this, but I see from your experience that blah, blah, blah. So really, you've already answered like the only question I would have had. But it just that's gives them the a point minute. of the question too yes. for people listening and wondering, like, why would you ask that? Because if they do have some sort of hesitation about a qualification or something, then it gives you an immediate opportunity to address it. Yes. If you haven't already as happened when you were interviewing it that one time. Yeah. And then I've had it where people have been like, actually, yeah, I'm curious as to why you're like making this leap. Or if uh, we talked about in uh, definitely at one point, maybe multiple points in an episode where I would have been going from like a higher title to a lower title. And they were oh, yeah. concerned, like if I might be concerned about that. And so that gave me the opportunity to be like, doesn't matter to me. And that like eased that issue valid valid point yeah so i have had i mean you definitely got that like awkward response to it but i have only had good feedback from that that's a great question to ask and can be asked at multiple stages if done correctly i think but otherwise um, i try to ask about uh the role or i like to ask people what like brought them to the organization or um and that works if people are new or if they've been there a while. Like you've been here seven years. You know, what's what's keeping you here, basically? I mean, phrase it better than that. But it's good to hear like why people stick around or what drew people to an organization in the first place, because you're trying to see yourself there. And um, that makes it really yeah. easy for people to just like share their experiences. And it can really be full of either red flags or green flags for you, the listener. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, very good point. I sometimes will ask about like the mission statement or their value type yeah. stuff especially if they haven't asked me about it the the lesson they're being look up what their mission statement and values are yes. um, if you haven't already because i have been caught off guard like when i first started interviewing people would be like what about our mission statement blah blah drew you to the organization and you're just like i didn't even know you had a mission statement and you kind of have to make it up which is not a good look no uh, if they ask you the question one you're prepared for it if they don't ask you a question it shows that you've on your homework a little bit on what the organization is about, even if it's a bunch of BS, Yep. which is more often the case than not at a for-profit company. And the final tip for the interviewing process 
before you go into, I do this before every stage of interviews. If mm-hmm. I make it to multiple, same. <laughs> review the cover letter that you submitted. Review the resume that you submitted. Review the job description. This will help orient yes. you so that you understand like what you've already told them. I personally t- tend to take notes during the interviews so that I can also kind of I usually jot a few things down yeah yeah I will like read through my scritchy scratchy little notes as well at each stage and you know progressively more each time or whatever just to like get you back in the zone remind yourself of what's already been discussed because if you're going to like if you can remember like which examples you shared or whatever like you don't want to repeat those all the time or if you do because they're relevant and you're like maybe looking at a different angle of the same scenario you and want to acknowledge something. that yeah. that you like are capable of more but you're like actually this is really relevant here so we talked about this in the last interview but it comes to mind for this question as well so that everything is top of mind for you and i do that like I do that like when I book the next interview just to like remind myself, okay, what did they like about me? And I do it like in the half an hour leading up to the actual interview as well as I'm like finding a good blazer and like changing my earrings or power stancing in the mirror, whatever it is that I'm doing to prepare. (laughs) One of those things is also reviewing those documents. Yeah. It's, It's also beneficial because if you've been rage applying, you may not remember what you said to a specific company. Too true. Guilty of that. So I always have to be like, what, what did I tell them? You know, kind of thing when in the off chance that they do interview. So definitely good practice to re-review what you put in your resume, what you set them in a cover letter, and then what's in the job so you can ideally pull out some specific language that you can use in your interview as well. And again, having sat on search committees as I'm preparing to interview someone. I have reviewed their resume, their cover letter, and my notes on the last conversation if it's like a second or third interview. So like on the other side of this conversation, those people are likely doing that as well. Or if it's someone really high up that Mm -hmm. is only in for the last interview, they've probably been like briefed. So just like making sure that you are all on the same page is a really easy way to not like overly advantage yourself, but avoid disadvantaging yourself. And with that note, what is something that people have learned in their past job searches. That's what we would like to know. Especially if you're a recruiter and HR professional, I would love feedback on what we've said today, yes. if you agree or disagree with anything, but also what are your best tips for applying for jobs, interviewing, or even just searching for your job? Um, I think everybody could probably tell us a story about you know their experience looking for a job, especially sure. over the last several years. Um, so I'd be really curious to hear you know something that they've learned that we didn't mention that, that we could share at large as well. And especially if maybe you're in an industry, as we alluded to, that's maybe more technical or your interview or job search process is very different or distinct from what we've kind of laid out, it would be really great if you could share sort of what that's like. Because obviously, as Sean and yeah. I have said many, many times, like we are speaking strictly from our experiences or if we have someone else's input, we mention that it's a connection of some kind. Um, so obviously our experience is limited, but this is what has worked well for us over the last few years. So if you have other tips or any comments on what we've shared, we'd love to hear from you. Make sure that you are following This Isn't Working on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Leave us a review if you have some time. It does help listeners find us. And be sure to share today's episode with someone you know looking for a job. It could help them. We hope. I hope. We do. Until then, we'll see you next week. Bye.